All right, let's turn your Bibles tonight to the book of Jude. The book of Jude. Y'all didn't get it last night, so I'm going to preach it again. Amen. The title of the message tonight is Message Number Two. I wish, I, I, some of these preachers, they, get, they have the best. John Morgan's got the best titles in the world. He, he's got the best titles in the world and some of the best messages in the world. I'm really not good at the title thing. So tonight is the book of Jude, message two. That's the best as I could come up with. And I uh, appreciate the service thus far. and appreciate Brother Grant and what he said. Uh, you know, uh, and, and this has come into my mind here, this thing about taking your life, uh, you know, that you think about this guy. And Paul said, do thyself no harm. If you're here tonight, you say, Brother Randy, you think in a congregation like this, that could be an issue that somebody's contemplating taking their own life? I guarantee you, it could be in this service. Remember, I was preaching a meeting one time down in Dallas, Georgia, and there was a girl, and she had, I mean, she had all these terrible suicidal thoughts, and, and God just pulled her out that night, and I bless the Lord for that. You never know who you're preaching to. I do know that. Right. Do yourself no harm. It was not even nowhere near as bad as he thought it was. And I tell you this, it's nowhere near as bad as you think it is. Amen. And God will pull you out of it. And God can help you. I appreciate the good preaching tonight and just the presence of the Lord. And I'm going to get right on in the message tonight. Out of the book of Jude. And uh, last night we read the first five verses. And uh, I'm going to start out in verse number five here. And I'm going to read a little more out of the book of Jude. And we began last night, I made that comment about Jude has been called the book of the apostates or the acts of the apostates and that falling away or the apostasy that we're seeing in our nation today and worldwide where people are turning away from biblical truth, departing from Bible doctrine. And also, really apostasy can be considered abandonment or defiance of what uh, previously people had held to as being truth. And not only did they say, yes, this is truth, and we believe this way, they practiced it, it seemed like, but now they're turning away from these things. And so Jude is dealing with that. And he is telling us that we need to be on guard against corrupt teachings and earnestly contend for the faith, which I preached about a little bit last night, but we need to recognize error and we need to stand against it. And uh, I, I have this statement here, the best rat poison is 98% cornmeal. The best rat poison is 98% cornmeal. It's the other 2% that they put in there that'll get them. And that's why we need to guard against error. That's why we do not need to give any ground on Bible doctrine, any ground on what the, that we know to be true. And what Jude here, he begins in verse number five of reminding them of some things of what they had learned to begin with was still true. Verse five, he said, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. 
even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally is brute beast, and those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Corinth. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees uh, whose uh, fruit withereth <coughs> without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots." raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And I'm going to pick up last night where I left off preaching out of these first verses out of the book of Jude. But what Jude does here is he gives them a call to remember and he made an appeal to them to recall some of the things which they had formerly been familiar with that they were de uh, still no doubt true and they needed to be reminded of some things that they started out when they got grounded in the Word of God and God sent them preachers into that area to tell them the truth and to warn them that those warnings that were sent to them and that doctrine that was preached to them when they first got saved is still true and still needs to be dealt with and still needs to be believed. And we're living in those days. Now, let me say this, and you said this, Brother Ricky, I think it was last night. Hey, listen, if it was good for them and the church has survived for 50 years, why in the world would you go? Now, listen, I, I know that change, all change is not compromise, amen? I hope you change your clothes at least once a week, amen? So change is not compromise. You might change the color of your carpet. That don't mean you compromise. That just means that you're doing something a little bit different. But I may say this today. There's so much changing going on in the house of God and in the teaching and in the preaching uh, that, listen, we need to get back to the things that most of you got when you got saved, you got solidified, you got concreted, you got founded in good doctrine and we need to continue that and we need to remember that. The Bible said in 2 Timothy 3.14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And Jude reminded them, hey, the people that God sent to you and these people that preached to you and taught you doctrine, they were right, they were correct and you need to stay with them and do not listen to these people that will try to tear you down and try to make you belittle the way that you got started. Thank God for a good foundation. And Jude tells them that we need to remember some things. And listen, I thought about this. Jude had the audacity to actually preach that God will judge sin. I want you to look at what the Bible said. He said, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Listen, Jude tells them they need to remember that God will judge sin. You need to think about this tonight. If you're not saved, God will judge you one day. He will be your Savior tonight, but he will be your judge one day. Now, I'm preaching about this, and I know that I, it's not 
not for us to pass judgment on anybody. But I am commanded to cry out against the sins of society. I'm not to wrongfully condemn an individual, but I am supposed to proclaim the truth. And Jude said this. He said, you need to remember there is a judgment day coming and God will judge sin. Psalm 94 verse 16 said, who will rise up for me against the evildoers or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? 1 Timothy 5 20 said, them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear. Ephesians 5 11 said, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Here's what that word reprove means. One of the, one of the meanings is to find fault or correct by word, to reprehend severely, to chide, to admonish, to reprove, to call to account, to show one's fault and demand an explanation. I tell you this, there's a perfect example in 1 Corinthians and chapter number five where God will judge sin and God expects you and I as a church uh, to judge sin. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians in chapter number five, Paul said it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornications it is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife and you're puffed up and have not rather mourned that he which hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Verse six, your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened for even Christ our Passover sacrifice for us. Verse 11, but now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or idolater or railer or drunkard or an extortioner with such an one know not to eat. Now, I tell you, that's what the Bible said. And I, we, listen, we are living in a day now where it doesn't matter. Anything goes. Listen, God loves sinners. I praise the Lord for that. But God is a God of judgment and God expects you and I to do that. You know, most people, even people who claim to be Christians would have said, well, what in the world gives Paul the right to say that? Paul's a hate monger. What gives him the right to be so judgmental? What does he have the right to shame people like that? I tell you, we're living in a day where there's no shame anymore about anything. Amen. That's why you judge sin and that's why sin has to be dealt with uh, so the person that's a transgressor will be ashamed about it. I mean, listen, if you pat them on the head and tell them everything's going to be okay, uh, they're not going to be reproved by that. Uh, the Bible said if we'll reprove them, that means we demand an explanation. Yes. That means if there's a member of Bible Baptist Church and they're out there in the world and you see them down yonder to VFW and they're coming out of some honky-tonk somewhere and they got a beer turned up and they're running around with that ungodly crowd and they're going to places they ought not go and it's common knowledge and people are familiar with it and people know about it, then the church needs to demand an explanation. That's what it says. I, I mean, I, ain't, I didn't write the Bible, but I do believe I need to preach it, amen. I mean, God will judge sin. And that's right, God is love, but the essence of God is holiness. And God's holiness demands that he judges unrighteousness. Psalm 89 verse 14, justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. God's holiness is his cause for his justice. You understand that? Now listen, what, what, what God said, the thou shouts and the thou shalt not, amen. God meant that when he said that. And that is the standard 
standard. Not whether I agree or whether I disagree or not. God's word and God's world and God's way and God has a right and will judge sin. God shows mercy to the sinner. I thank God for that. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, it is God's mercy that you have not been consumed. It is God's mercy that you made it to church tonight because the devil would have killed you on the way here and be in hell right now instead of at the house of God being able to hear the good news that Jesus will save you and Jesus is your sin payment and you don't have to die and go to the place called hell. The Bible said in Psalm 711, God judgeth the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. We have forgotten, I believe, that nobody gets by with sin. I won't get by with it. You won't get by with it. Nobody gets by with sin. Colossians 3.25, but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect to persons. Hebrews 2.2 said this, said every transgression and disobedience will receive a just recompense of the reward. And God judges things. First of all, it tells us that God judged the angels. Verse 6, and the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved and everlasting chains under darkness under the judgment of the great day. Now these angels here, they were created by God but not to rebel of course uh, but by their own choice they chose to go with Satan and now they're employed by our adversary. These same angels that were in heaven where they say holy, 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 these angels some of them left with the adversary and now they're working for him uh, working against us and we need to understand that, that these angels at one time heaven was their dwelling place and it's been said that maybe they had even become dissatisfied uh, they were at one time in a point of rank and in honor but they did not keep that rank and they fell from that and these fallen angels Peter talks about them being in a dark prison where there's no light and where they're outcasts and where they're in chains of darkness and these angels here will one day be judged by you and I 1 Corinthians 6 verse 3 said know you not that we shall judge angels how much more the things that pertain to this life do you know you and I court Corporately with God will judge these fallen angels one day who kept not their first estate. It has also been said that some of these angels may have fallen because of their desire for the daughters of men. You can read that in the book of Genesis and I don't know all about that, but your good pastor right here, I'm sure he's got all the answers about that. So you see Brother Ricky, after the service is over with, he'll give you all the answers about that out of Genesis in chapter number six. So remember that, uh, to talk to him about all that. I know he's got all the answers. But God judges the angels. Right here, verse number seven, God will judge abominations. I want you to look what it said. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. God will judge abominations. You don't hear a whole lot of that anymore but God will judge abominable acts by individuals. The Bible said in the book of Romans in chapter number 1 in verse 21 said because that when they knew God they glorified him not as God neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations their foolish heart 
heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the corruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman. Let me stop there and say they were not born that way. God said they left the natural use. That's what the Bible said. I didn't write it, but I'm a preaching the truth. They're not born that way. Now, let me say this. Remind the good Holy Ghost here. I do know that there's individuals. Brother Ricky, I'm sure you probably talk to people in confidence, and I, I have too about people who have had things to happen to them when they were children. I mean, I'm talking about traumatic events that we would not, that's all I'm gonna say. But something happened to them as a child that has really affected them the rest of their life. They're still battling with that. Even in their adult life, thing that happened to them, maybe something terrible happened to you as a child, and you're still dealing with those things. But let me say this, God can rescue you uh, from that awful thing happening. Let me mind the good Lord right here. I thought about this boy here uh, by, the, by the name of uh, Asaph in the book of Psalms when it talks about Asaph and all these Psalms that Asaph wrote. Do you know Asaph what I believe a great, great grandson of this man in the text by the name of Korah? That means that his great, his daddy, his great granddaddy was a son of Korah. Do you know this? And the Bible said in the book of Numbers, chapter number 26, that the sons of Korah perish not. You can read about it in Numbers 21 where Korah went against the man of God and here God judged Korah and he swallowed up at the tents round about him. Korah is swallowed up alive. Well, here is these boys, Korah's boys, the sons of Korah. There's three of them named in Numbers 26. Here they are and they're standing around the tent and God judges their daddy and their daddy dies and goes to hell alive right there in front of their eyes but they perish not. I tell you what them boys did learn. They said, I tell you what, I've seen daddy go against God. I've seen daddy go against the man of God, but I'm not gonna do that anymore. I tell you, we're going with God. And that man, those sons of Korah raised up boys. Do you know who David's choir, this ain't even in the message. Do you know who David's choir leader was? David's choir leader was a man by the name of Heman, was a descendant of the sons of Korah. But it doesn't matter. Anything happened to you as a child, God can take it, God can forgive you, God can help you, and God can use you in the house of God. Amen. But I will say this, God will still judge abominations. You say, when do you think God's gonna judge America? God's already judging America because of the abominations. Hey, listen, the Bible said, and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was me. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Listen to that, young people. 
amongst all these things of these people committing abominations and all these atrocious sins that's mentioned in the book of Romans 1, one that's right in the middle is disobedient to parents. You ought to think about that. That's what God thinks about disobedience to parents. It says this, without natural affection... And who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them. We are living in that day and age and I tell you what we have become. We have become a little bit too soft about it. I mean we have become a little bit too negotiable about it. Well you know just let them know hey if God says it's sin you and I ought to cry against it. Amen. Cry loud and spare not lift up thy voice like a trumpet. It's what the Bible says. The reason you got to preach against same gender marriage is because it's sinful. The reason you preach against abortion is because it is sinful. The reason you preach against adultery is because it is sinful. The reason you preach against fornication and shacking up is because it is sinful. Amen. The reason you preach against the sins in the Bible is because God said it, we ought not do it. And if he said we ought not do it, then you ought not do it. And if you do it, then you need to be dealt with. Amen. It's, it's not, hey, I tell you this, I'd rather to respond to a, to a message to what the preacher says and God deal with my heart. I'd rather get down the altar somewhere and make it right between me and God and get forgiveness than I would stand before God and have to face him with it at the judgment, amen? But I thought about this. You know, all these, I've heard these people say, well, you know, I don't think any of them can be saved. I don't think any sodomite can be saved. I don't think there's any hope for them. Hey, it's not up for you and I to determine when God turns them over to rip. I don't know when that is, and you don't either. But I do know this. There is hope for a man as long as he liveth. That's what the book said. Had a thought about this. Most of us, we'd have done giving up on that crowd and Corinth would have said there ain't no hope for y'all. Y'all done gone too far. Here's what the Bible said, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's what your Bible said. But I like verse 11. It said in such were some of you but you're washed but you're sanctified but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the spirit of our God. Hey listen I tell you this it doesn't matter what you've done in your life it doesn't matter how far you've gone down in the depths of depravity I'm glad Jesus can reach down further than you can reach up it doesn't matter what you are and it doesn't matter what you've done it doesn't matter how big the sin the blood of Jesus can wash away all your sin. I'll say this tonight, and I believe I can probably say it in truth. I don't want to know about your skeletons in the closet, but I can probably say this, and such were some of you, but now you're washed, glorified, justified, satisfied. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God I'm glad God will save old sinners. It doesn't matter how deep the sin. The blood can go deeper than the stain of sin. But if you reject what Jesus did for you, see, the only kind of righteousness God will accept is the kind he provided through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible said this in the book of Romans chapter number eight and verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And the reason I read this verse 
I thought about how Jesus was smitten. He was afflicted by the thunderbolts of the wrath of God. God looked at Jesus as if he were a sinner. And God judged Jesus, his only begotten son, as if he were a sinner. God made him sin. He had no sin, did no sin, could not have sinned. But God judged him as a sinner at the cross of Calvary. If God was going to take it on easy on anybody, he'd have took it easy on his son. But he did not even spare his son. Hell's going to be awful for sinners who reject the Lord Jesus Christ. God judged the angels. God judges anarchy. The Bible said in verse number eight, he judges abominations. Verse number eight, he judges anarchy. The Bible said, likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignity. Now that word anarchy, what it means just basically, it means that people don't want nobody telling them what to do. It means they don't want any leadership. They don't want any rulers. They don't want any rules. They don't want any authority. They don't want any regulations. And that's exactly where we're living today. We're living in a land that says, well, you know, nobody can really be right or wrong about anything. That's really humanism is what it is. They say, well, you don't have any right to judge me because you don't know me and you don't know what, what I am and you don't know who I am. You can't see inside of my heart. Well, I can tell you what the Bible says about every one of us. The Bible said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How the Bible said every one of us, hey, that the whole world will become guilty before God. Every mouth is stopped. There's none righteous. You done heard it tonight. None righteous. No, not one. That's the way God sees you and I in our own righteousness. That's the way God looks at your sin and in my sin and in our sinful state. Uh, let me say this tonight. I'm glad Jesus satisfied the righteous requirement of God. You cannot do that. There's a lot of people today, they say, well, you know, you can't be sure about anything. You just really can't be sure about anything. And then you ask them, are you sure about that? And they say, well, yes. <laughs> there are some things that are right and wrong. There is a truth. There is truth and we need to preach truth, teach truth and stand for the truth and tell the sinner the truth. I tell you, I believe there's a lot of us we're so intimidated by telling, and I'm not talking about pulling up in somebody's yard, grabbing them up by the nap of the neck and saying, if you don't get right with God, you're going to hell. I mean, you better be careful because somebody might jerk you right back and say, well, you might be going to heaven and you're going right now and beat the devil out of you in their yard, amen. You gotta have enough sense. I'm not talking about jerking somebody up by the nap of the neck. But I am saying this, you will never ever appreciate a pardon until you've been taken before the judge and the judge says you're guilty, you will appreciate a pardon. And the reason that we appreciate the love of God tonight and the reason we appreciate the mercy of God is because we understood the severity of the judgment of God in our life. We understood that we're miserable under the condemnation. Listen, the reason you don't have joy and the reason you don't have peace is because you're under condemnation not of me. I'm not commit. I listen. I was not condemned by by Jesus. I was not condemned by Christians. I was condemned by my righteousness compared to Jesus. I was condemned by my righteousness compared to the real Christian. It's not us condemning you. It's not me making you feel uncomfortable. You're condemned already. 
because you've not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. People say, well, I'm not going to get saved. If I, I want to do my own thing. I don't want nobody lording over me. I don't want nobody telling me, hey, do you hear what my family's saying tonight? I will serve thee because I love thee. I tell you what, this list that people sometimes, it's like you got to do this and God and can't do this and can't do this and can't do this. I tell you what, praise God, I believe my owner got saved with everything else. On October 20th, 1997, I do exactly what I want to do. I go to the places that I want to go. I talk like I want to talk, but my wanter got saved. My desires got saved. That's what God wants to do for you. Amen. But if you say, well, then nobody's going to be over me. Nobody's going to be my boss. The Bible said this. Said these apostates here, filthy dreamers. See, their doctrine is foolishness. It comes from a messed up mind. It comes from vain Imaginations. Do you know what led to the judgment of God and God judging the people during Noah's day? The people's thoughts were only evil continually. We're living in that day today. And I tell you this, that's why you need to be careful. I tell you this, I believe this, the GBI would probably be interested what's in the glove compartment and purses of people in the Baptist church. I believe if some drugs dog, drug dog pulled up in some church's yard, there'd probably be some people getting nervous, amen. There'd probably be some people vacating the building. All these people around here, I mean the security people got these things in their ears, they'd be all heading out the door, amen, because there'd be seven or eight of you get real nervous, say, man, I, drug dog, law, 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 law. That, do, you think, do you think it's an accident what's going on? You know what, they, and I don't watch them, but I have said you can't even go in Academy Sports and hunt for some targets without seeing them zombies everywhere. Yeah. Zombies. That's where we're at today. Vain imagination, filthy dreamers. They're out of their mind. They're zombies. I think I preached to some of them. I mean zombified. You know what that is? And y'all say what you want to. Do you think you'd ever have to preach against smoking dope? Do you think there'd ever have to be a day that the preacher would have to get up and say smoking dope is not right. Smoking dope is bad. Now listen, I, I was preaching in a camp meeting in North Carolina. You know where it's at. And I was preaching, and I mean, listen, it, and it, it got on that night. I mean, it was really good. So open air meeting, and it, I mean, people were running the aisles, and, and it, it was really, it was a great meeting. And I said, man, I don't even know if I'm going to get preached or not. It was great. This fella, he was running around the building, I mean, cutting diodos and swinging circles. It was something else, buddy. I said, praise God, that boy right there, he's on fire for God. I didn't know how much he was on fire. he come down and, he is praising God and I preached. I mean, people are saying amen. Here's one of them. I was like, hey, I'd take him with me, amen. He come down to the altar. When I got done, I just mentioned something about smoking dope. He come down to the altar and they said, Brother Randy, come down here. And I believe statute of limitations on, on less than an ounce is seven, seven years. And it's been seven years ago, so misdemeanor statute of limitations is over for this. I don't have to go to court and testify nothing what I'm saying right now. I believe I'm right about that. They said, Brother Randy, I looked down there and the boy pulled out and had a bag of dope in his pocket. Talking about a bag of dope. I was like, no wonder he's running around the building wide open. And he said, what's, what's the matter with this? 
He said, God made this. I, and I thought to myself, and I said something to them. In fact, I said, son, what's that called on the street? He said, marijuana. I said, what else is it called? He said, I, he said, weed. I said, that's exactly right. And brambles and briars in the Bible is a, is a type of weed. Weed is a, re, is a result of the curse of God, not the blessings of God. Any kind of weed is a curse of God. It's not a blessing. And so if you smoke weed, if you take that, it's not a herb. That's what the world wants to call it. It's a weed. Amen. Anything that affects your mind and makes you not think clearly, the Bible said, I believe it's seven or eight times, says be sober, be sober, be sober. Anything that would affect your mind and get you where you're not thinking clearly, do you know how the, the Antichrist is going to deceive the people uh, during the tribulation period? He's going to deceive them, the Bible said, with sorceries. The word sorceries is where you and I get the word pharmacy. Pharmacia was where we, listen, I'm not against medicines at all. I mean, listen, I took, if it wasn't for medicine, I never made it through the gallbladder surgery and knee surgery and ankle surgery. But listen, I tell you what, somebody, if you gotta have a pill to get up and you gotta have a pill to get down and you gotta have one to go to sleep, one to get up, hey, listen, you're hooked. What you need to do is you need to ask God to help you deliver from that. Hey, anything that numbs your emotions, anything that takes away your clarity of thought, anything that makes you numb, hey, listen, God uses your senses. He uses your ability to think. Preacher, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, what the adversary has done today as he has taken things that could help and things that might benefit somebody through a prescription. But what they've done is they said, well, if I can just, I'll just get this Xanax and get this Prozac and then get this Oxycontin. You're hooked when you got to get one and say, you know what? I'm out and they won't give me no more. Can you give me some more? If you can't live without it, you better be real. You can't pray without your emotions. You go in the hospital, they give you some medicine, some pain stuff to help you with pain. It numbs you. You're not even thinking clearly. We're living in those days today. And it's a slowly but surely dumbing down. And they're using narcotics. And listen, I'm not a, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Jesus said, if you're sick, you need a physician. That's what it's saying. I'm not preaching against doctors. But I am preaching when you've got to get this prescription and this prescription and you've got to go to this doctor and this doctor and this doctor don't know that this doctor is giving you this, that, and the other. And you've got a problem and you need help from God because your thinking's not going to be right. And I'll tell you what it's going to get you to do. You're going to be rebelling against authority. That's what it says here. Said they despised their filthy dreamers, defiling the flesh, despising dominion, speaking evil of dignities. They have no regard for anything, no regard for the government, no regard for the authority, whether it's in the state, whether it's in the home, or whether it's in the house of God. You show me somebody that will hop from here to there and here to there, and I'm running through this message tonight. But let me say this, it says in verse 12, these are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about the winds, trees which fruit withereth, without fruit twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea. That's what the Bible says about these individuals. These people that are the waving 
that are waves, they're restless, they're noisy, they're bolsterous. They rise up, they try to intimidate, but they contribute nothing. That's what the foam in the sea does nothing. Makes a big racket, rises up, but it really doesn't contribute anything. We're living in the days today where people will rise up against authority They don't contribute anything, complain about everything, and rise up and say, well, nobody's going to tell. And who does he think he is pointing me out and telling me I'm wrong? You better thank God for somebody that'll point their finger at you and say, you need to get right with God because what they're doing is they're trying to salvage you, your family, your children, yea, your ministry your home and God has put it on their heart to deal with your sin to warn you you know what the privilege is that we have tonight if God's dealt with you about something in your life listen I'm not saying you got to come down this altar I know you can get right in the pew I know you can but if you say I'm not going down there then you're rebelling against it you're going to have to come down here because you've made it an issue Repentance, a turning from and turning to. You turn from your idols to serve the living God. You don't have to have a 50-page paper on what repentance is. Paul said you were headed towards your idols and you turn from your idols to serve the living God. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, God will judge you one day. Why don't you allow Jesus who bore your judgment at the cross of Calvary, he died in your place, died in your stead, died as a sinner and was buried and rose again the third day. If you'll believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Let's everybody stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God's going to judge you one day. The Bible speaks about they have gone the way of Cain. The way of Cain is what Jude said. Cain was not somebody in the deepest, darkest jungle of Africa. Cain was a religious individual. I have no doubt. I ain't trying to scare nobody and I'm not trying to point out nobody. I have no doubt these church members in churches that they're going through the motions They got religion and they think because they go to church and got a little bit of religion that that's going to get them into heaven. You'll die and go to the same hell that Adolf Hitler's at tonight if you die without the Lord Jesus Christ. It don't matter if your name's on the church roll, if you've been baptized, if you've shook the preacher's hand and you'll help somebody on the way home with a flat tire. Cain brought the best. He brought the the work of his own hands. I believe it was the best he had. The Bible said that Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Cain brought a good sacrifice, but it was not acceptable. Your sacrifice, your works, your good deeds are unacceptable. If you could have been pleasing enough to God, Jesus would not have had to die on the cross. That's why he had to die and pay your sin penalty. Cain said, my punishment, God banished him. 
from the presence of God forever. Hell is eternal separation. Cain says, my punishment is more than I can bear. If you'll read that and study that, what Cain is saying, he's saying, I've done so many wicked things and this is the last straw. I cannot be forgiven. You know what God said? God said, Cain, you've brought this and that's unacceptable to me. But if you'll do well, shalt thou also be accepted? And that's not talking about Cain trying to do a little bit better and trying to bring a little bit more fruit, more vegetables. Abel did well because Abel brought the correct sacrifice to God. Well, in the day and age in which me and you live, the correct sacrifice to God is God's sacrifice of His Son at the cross of Calvary. They want nobody get into heaven bragging about what they've done, how long they held on, and all the good works they did. We'll be pointing at the one with the wounds in his hands and say we made it because we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you come tonight? God will save you. God will change your life. Make life worth living for you. Would you come? We're going to sing.